Hello and welcome to the Art and Podcast from the Weavers Factory Gallery. I'm Julian Bovis and today we're talking about art and fashion with Warren Riley, who's one of our three recipients of the Joan Chiney Textile Prize. Um, morning Warren, how are you? Good, thank you. I'm okay. I'm a bit husky today, but that's all good. <laughs> Where, have you got, uh, did you talk too much at the opening yesterday? Yes, or? probably. Uh, and I think it's just been quite a long week. So because we've been like setting up and been seeing a lot of my friends, it's just been a good week. But yeah, ready to rest when I get home. So yesterday when we met at the um, opening, you didn't sound like this and now you sound like Joanna Lumley. <laughs> I know, I do love talking about the Argave, so... <laughs> so um, today we're recording the podcast live from your exhibition at the Weavers Factory. Um, have you enjoyed it so far? Yeah, it's been great. I've like learned so much from the experience, just in terms of like switching the professional head on from being a student and then kind of like starting to see myself more as a brand and more as like a company um, and just like <clears throat> trying to take things a bit more seriously I think in that respect so. Do you think, do you, think you um, do you think you didn't take yourself seriously at college? Not really but I just kind of like more of a kind of this is about experimentation, it's about play, it's about finding who I am a bit more and it wasn't like, I didn't take it seriously, of course I did, I'm a very, very hard worker and I care um, very much about what I do, but it's just more so that it's more, I guess what I mean to say is I want other people to take me more seriously is probably the more accurate um, answer to that. Um, so yeah, I think that's probably... See, I think, I think it's interesting, I think your work appears to be very serious. I think mm. uh, when you first look at it, it looks like they're quite experimental because there's mm. so many different aspects to it. But it definitely, it looks it looks very professional and very ordered and thought about Thank to me. It doesn't, it doesn't feel like you've really, you know, you just you just jumped to it without thinking. Yeah, I mean, my, my work is quite chaotic and I think it re- reflects my personality quite a bit, but I think it also reflects the time <clears throat> that we're currently in right now. And my work's very media responsive, so... It kind of just reflects what I'm seeing, or what's happened to me, or what's happening in the world. So yeah, I think that kind of comes into my work quite a lot. Um, but I think definitely in the last year, it's definitely become more refined and a lot more um, condensed. Because I had a bit of work from it, I think, for quite a while. So it took me a while to kind of draw things back, really. And. Um... I know one of the reasons we chose you as a winner for the Joan Charney Prize was because your degree show, even though it was a textile show, had much more of a fashion slant to it. Would you call yourself a textile designer or a fashion designer? I mean, <clears throat> I wouldn't really call myself either. Um, I mean, I've always called myself like a social artist applied, um, applied, yeah, social designer and applied artist because the way that my work works is that it's always exploring kind of um, social problems or it's kind of like reflecting identity and personality. Do you think think there's not a a lot of social consciousness in fashion? Do you think that fashion designers don't think about the world or where we are? I think that, I think that's, I think it really depends really. I think at the end of the day it's quite difficult because a lot of fashion nowadays has become very commercialised. Um, like a lot of the big brands, obviously like Dior and Chanel and everything, you know, they've they've really commercialised and branded themselves in a way that is more accessible, but is definitely about, you know, making money and profit. And um, so it's it's kind of difficult because I think that obviously again, they obviously reflect what's happening in the fashion industry at the moment. But yeah, in terms of 
seeing the kind of deeper kind of aspects and the bigger picture um, and taking more time to kind of see how those stories are unfolding or analysing those things to a more fine detail in terms of concept. Because um, obviously their technique is incredible and they've been refining that for decades, if not, you know, centuries, some of the, you know, some of the like older kind of brands. Um, so yeah, I think that's kind of a tenuous question. I think it really depends on the brand, really. Do you, do you, do you think that, I know that your work, from what you've shown here, is very political. Do you think it's political because you're young? Or do you think you'll always be a political artist? I mean, I wouldn't really call myself a political person, but I like, I just have things to say. And I think that like, I would like to think that I voice things that maybe people are too scared to talk about or don't kind of have the confidence to kind of like put out there and um and I think that yeah I mean I don't like sit there watching you know like political debates like every evening or anything like that I actually find it quite depressing but like I like kind of tuning in and out and picking things out of it that kind of speak to me that I want to kind of be like oh well, I think that's really interesting well actually I really disagree with that um so yeah, I think it kind of. What, what about what about fashion designers? Is there anyone that speaks to you particularly? Yeah, I mean, well, obviously the people like Vivian Westwood and McQueen like are big, big influences for me, and they are with a lot of people. But as well, just kind of like more like newer kind of people like <clears throat> um, Charles Jeffrey or Patrick Church, as I was showing you the other day, and the more kind of obscure like. Um, smaller, slow-growing brands that reflect identity um, very similar to when McQueen and Vivian Westwood obviously started out um, it's the kind of brands that in a way I now find more interesting because it's something that I find more accessible and it's something that I could also think that like it's reachable for me to be able to perhaps step towards that goal I mean because if you look at McQueen nowadays it's just so like I don't want to say haughty, but it's just so like not what he kind of was doing. And of course, the brand has to change and brands have to adapt. And I think it's amazing that Sarah Burton has continued that, um, and I still love it. But um, it's obviously very different to when he was starting out. Well, it's, it's a different thing, is it, between one person's voice and then yes. an original voice and legacy. Yes. And someone takes that over. It's quite hard to carry to carry that on. Your your heroes, do you think that they um, inspire you to do with the style or to do with actually how they started? Because you're you're just at the beginning of your of your journey now as an artist and as a fashion designer or whatever you think you are yeah. at the moment. You're the beginning. Do you think do you have an idea um what you're going to do? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> in terms of where I've come from, um, obviously I'm from a, a council estate in northwest London, um, and it was very, very um, difficult for me growing up in terms of me um, realising my identity and being able to kind of, like, unleash myself creativity with, creatively without being judged or um, attacked or anything like that. And I think that, that watching people... Um, like McQueen, obviously, for example, but also artists like Grace Perry or Yinka Shabari or people like that and just all the social oppression that they've kind of gone through um, has really shown me that <laughs> I can sit in my little council-ass bedroom and dream big and that, like, you know, I've achieved what I've achieved in this exhibition by doing that and it's just about, you know, making things happen and just getting myself out there and I, I am lucky that I'm from London in that respect. Um... 
but just the kind of um the growth that those people had and and you know and watching that kind of rise and in 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 how they kind of establish themselves and obviously the fall from grace is awful and it's quite scary to watch um for some of those people um but it just has always driven me to kind of be like you don't have to sit and kind of let other people tell you who you should be or how you should act or the kind of work you should make or you know the people you you should love and all this stuff um it's just very it's just very inspiring for me to see people from a similar background and to, to see all the struggle they've been through to just get to that point really we well, you know, you know background is interesting because in the 1970s and 80s where i grew up there were a lot of working class kids already in mainstream media, whether it was fashion, design, art. It was very easy through the comprehensive system to get like that. Nowadays, I think because of interns and you know, rich parents sending all their kids to London, it's a lot harder for working class kids I think, yeah. to be able to achieve that. Do you think? But do you think that being working class and coming from this, where you come from, do you think that helps you? Do you think that gives you a bit of a leg up? <clears throat> Sorry. More to do with identity, really, yeah. giving something to start. Maybe it's more of a struggle. You know, if you if you if you haven't got anything to begin with, surely you work hard. Again, I really think it depends on the brand, um, and I also think it depends on um, your kind of uh, ability to adapt to certain situations. Because I've been very lucky. Like I, my my accent does not sound like where I grew up at all. You know, it's very my you know my my grandmother's very Cockney. My my lovely. Um, my nanny Maggie, and um, she's amazing. Um, and my mum's also got that voice as well. And and but then the people that grew up around me, you know, they're very kind of like, you know, like road man, like kind of like stuff. And and um, again, I've never really. I mean, especially with that kind of aspect, I've just um, I've never ever had that voice. I don't know where it's come from or anything like that. So it's been able to kind of allow me to um in a way <laughs> i guess fake it till you make it really is is a way there's a kind of thing that springs to mind because a lot of people um that i've kind of met all the opportunities that i've had is um i think because i've been able to present myself in a certain way that maybe doesn't make someone think that i'm from that kind of background which is awful really but <laughs> <laughs> what, what, about, the, what about the other students that you were studying with were they all from similar backgrounds or were there a lot of privileged kids there? Or? I think when I was in school, yeah, but as soon as I went to Kingston, I found Kingston quite hard, actually. I really enjoyed the course, but I just thought it was like the first time I was in a room of like people that were just from money and just kind of made you kind of question every day why you were there. Um, uh, and that kind of put a lot of fire in me to kind of show those people wrong um, and to kind of... Um, you know, make it known that, like, I, I, you know, did belong here and I deserve to be there because I worked hard, not because my parents told me to go there or they funded me. Um, and again, um, I thought, yeah, obviously there was that kind of air again because it was in London, but then when I came up to Manchester, it was quite difficult again because then it was, like, a different thing of... Um, it was, I would say, a le less culturally diverse and... Um, not all of the people, but the majority of people on my course were middle-class white girls. Um, and uh, I think that um, for a kind of, like, you know, outgoing, mixed-race, um, working-class boy um, to have gone on that course, I don't think many people were really... 
I don't think there's been many people like me that have done that course. Um, so it's been great um, to kind of go and like, you know, um, make new friends and kind of make new connections and kind of, I think, kind of change what the course kind of means for me. Um, you see, it's you been see good. What's happened? What happens now is that you're now in the outside world. You, you you're back in London now. Yes. And you're working where are you working as an intern so i'm working at threadology at the moment um which has different brands which i'm mostly focusing on twisted taylor yeah. and it's a retail uh, menswear suiting company which i actually bought my graduation suit from which is really funny um i like called them up like asking how to dry clean it and they were like oh just ask our design team and i was like oh design team is that how you got in there is that how you yeah got literally in yeah that's how i got in there literally um, it did take a, you know a few phone calls and a lot of kind of chasing. But that's, um, but that's the thing. So you're, now you're in the outside world. And you're also working as an intern with other middle class kids that can afford to work as an intern. How do you, how yeah. do you square that financially, and how do you live? Well, for me, again, it's really lucky because it is really a half an hour up the road for me, um, which is, like, unheard of, really. Um, and I am living back at home with my mum, back in my childhood home, which has been very difficult to kind of readapt to. And also, again, going back to the kind of, like, social pressure and my sexuality and things like that, it's, like, really difficult for me to go back there. And it's quite hard for me to explain that to people, especially up in Manchester, because they think London, liberal, be yourself, kind of, you know. But um, there are small pockets of community especially the one that I've grown up in which is not the worst it definitely isn't the worst by far but um, it's difficult to kind of go back to that and then kind of expose yourself to people that um, don't understand where you've come from or the experience you've had in life um, so that's been hard but also it is a bit better now it's got a bit better the era so it's a bit easier I guess um, but yeah that's how I that's how I manage it kind of financially because um, I'm lucky enough that I've had very hard working parents that have been able to kind of give me a, a roof over my head in London really I mean I know there's I know that many people work as interns now as I said before because people are rich and you know all these people support their middle class kids in London you know but um, do you think interns should be paid? Yeah, I do think interns should be paid. I agree. I, agree. Um, I think it's the... I mean, well, I found it really difficult because um, I found out that when you graduate, a lot of companies that I was applying for basically didn't didn't want to touch me. They loved my portfolio. Um but they just didn't really want to touch me because they had to pay, you know, if they were to pay me, that would obviously bring their, their profits and costs but it's, up. Not, but it's also about value, Damn. isn't it? Value as a design. Yeah. If you go in, you go in and, you, and you're prepared to work for free, I'm not saying that companies exploit people, but there is an element of, if you're a designer and you've got ideas and you're contributing to something, surely there's a value in that. Yeah, well, I guess their, their kind of, like, mindset is, well, we're giving you the experience and, like, you know... You know that's that's really good for you as an individual for your growth, but like, well, I think I think it works. How are you meant to live? Life. You know, like most like most people that I know in Manchester as well that are from like small towns would love to go down and intern, but just literally can't get there because they just can't afford it or they just can't do the commute because it's too far. Um, well, well, again, so what that ha what happens then is there's there's more of a narrow. Um, social class of people mm. who are in that industry mm. which means that going forward what, what happens in 20 years time mm. is, any, is, any, is every single person in fashion come from a money background are there very few people I mean well one thing I learned as well from knowing some people in London and, and living in London as well is that you know especially the fashion industry is really who you know like um, 
and I went to a secondary school that was very clicky like that so people's kind of parents kind of knew this person and then you know they'd work in their dad's office or they'd work in their mum's company and then they'd you know be able to get in but for someone like me I was very very lucky that I had um people kind of um observe that I was really passionate that I wanted to kind of better myself and get somewhere so my art teacher in Queen's Park um well both my art teachers really um Nicola Cummings and May, Claire May and also Jennifer Atkins they were just fundamental in where I am right now to be honest um I would like stay like late after school and they would like fund like you know like me to a degree if I couldn't afford things and they signed me up for enrichment program so I did a, a year-long course at the Royal Academy of Arts which I'm still connected with so I'm basically an alumni there called the, that's called the Attract program I did a photography course at Central St Martins called the Album Project which was run by an outreach officer called Jacqueline Tabers who again was so amazing because she like spotted that I like really needed the support and so I've been really lucky that I've had these are pockets of people that I've kind of really reached out to me and said we are going to support you and you know you don't have to feel like no one's going to be there for you I um, mean in in this step and I like honestly I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be where I am now without those people so like not to do the kind of like promo for them and say thanks but <laughs> like they were like honestly like really fundamental to be able to just put the hand out and just say like we're going to support you and we're going to help you get to where we see that you can get which not a lot of people in my position would have would have had or did or did yeah. get so and going forward do you think when you in the next sort of 10 years do you think you you talked earlier about having about establishing yourself as a brand or do you think do you see yourself working or, or as, a studio or a studio yeah do you consider yourself do you think you will be working on your own do you do you perceive that you'll be the sort of leader and you know, other other people work or do you think you'll put yourself through a amazing company or? I was never ever want to be the person that just flicks like clicks my fingers out a drawing and says make it I just wouldn't want to be like that so but going forward I want to go do like a either a tailoring course or a clothing making course because I want to get a further understanding because obviously you don't really teach that you don't really teach that on textiles it's very kind of like work out for yourself and just kind of experimentally um but I think the way that I kind of want to go about it is I would never want... I don't really like working alone. I'm not really, like, that way inclined. I don't like seeing a computer all day. I like working with people. I like hearing other people's ideas. And I love, like, for people, for example, like, people like Tim Walker, you know, everyone knows Tim Walker for him, but, like, he is probably one of the only few people that I've seen in big exhibitions that will include every single collaborator yeah. that he's ever worked with. And that that shows that he's he's acknowledging that, like, it, it, it's his vision but it's also other people's contribution and I would I would want to work in a studio and just sit there all day and kind of just like make it about just me like I would always love if I did a catwalk show and you know the designer comes out at the end I would want a whole line of all the people that I worked with to also come out with me so I wouldn't want that wouldn't want to just be me like so less about individual glory more about a collaborative process I mean well I do I do want a bit of glory but <laughs> <laughs> no I mean not like not like that I mean like not in a, hung, in a power hungry way but like obviously you know it would be it would still be my my vision and my brand or my studio but just kind of acknowledging that there are other people that are fundamental to that, that creation. And what um and what about in ten years then? Where do you, what do you think you'll be doing? How old are you now? Twenty. I'm twenty two now. Twenty two. So yeah. You, that's eight years. Are you thirty? What are you gonna be doing when you're thirty? Terrifying. <laughs> you're terrifying. No, terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm terrifying. So what are you doing? What are you gonna be doing when you're thirty? Do you think? 
Do you know what? I mean, to be realistic, I would just love a little shop in like Brick Lane or Shoreditch or, you know, and that's like a kind of creative space that's a gallery and also a clothing store and again people like Patrick Church in New York who I love is like she, his, he's just like my biggest inspo right now like he's just got the blueprint of how I, I want to go with my own stuff but just in the way that it's kind of it's just, you know, when you walk into Dover Street Market and it's, like, really, you know, interesting and the music kind of informs the clothes and the clothes inform the paintings, the paintings inform, you know, the people and just that kind of, like, creative kind of network and how you see the kind of... Um, the links between things and I would want to kind of have that kind of identity brand, I guess. And um, that brand will be Warren Riley. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. think so. I, I don't really have a, a name that I would really call a label. I think Warren Riley's completely fine. Yeah. You can have young people with you who you have to pay. I mean, I mean, <laughs> I would call it Warren Riley Studio, but I'm currently making things in my bedroom at home. Well, so. well a, bed, a bedroom's a studio. Yeah, just... maybe Warren Riley London, I guess, but I don't know. At the moment, it is just Warren Riley, I guess. Um... Well, yeah. um, well, I will come and see you then in 10 years' time. <laughs> in the shop in Bricklane. I'll, I'll bring a bagel for you. Yes. Sound good? Yes, that sounds great. I'd Brilliant. love that. Okay, well, listen, thank you very much, Ron. I appreciate it. You're very okay. welcome. Thank you. Thank you.